Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Thane Marcus, who's an entrepreneur, author, podcaster, and ex-pro golfer. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome everyone to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Thanks so much for joining today. If you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. If you're a long-time listener, if you've tuned in before, thanks for your continued support. It means so much. If you have not done so already, if you wouldn't mind leaving an iTunes, Google Play review, be much appreciated. In today's conversation with Thane Marcus, we discuss his initial roots in Kansas, but now focus in on his time in Los Angeles, California, fresh off his book release from here to there, quarter-life perspective on the path to mastery. Thane shares the origins of the book and the unexpected place of revelation. The book is geared around mental models of mastery and how to view the development process. Thane is very very development-focused and harps on self-awareness to better understand yourself. Who are you created, equipped, and called to be? Thane speaks on purpose, how to think about calling, and again, one that, that builds over time. We discuss his time in this particular season, leaning into the spirit and elaborating on the both and, not either or, but both and on God's word and God's grace. We dive into his podcast, The Upper, Up and Comers, a show geared toward millennials on learning how to live a good life. And then we come back to conclude with a heart check. In the midst of culture, we need to think about the cause rather than the effect. Familiarity breeds complacency, in Thane's words. Thane is a man on the move, striving to give back and glorify God through it all. Stay committed, stay committed, and stay committed. I'm going to leave it at that for now. Tune into my conversation with Thane Marcus. Congratulations on your latest book, From Here to There, Quarter-Life Perspective on the Path to Mastery. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a it's been almost a two year journey in the making, and it just has felt really good to finally have the book uh, in my hand and in other people's hands, and making to getting to spread more of that work and the mm. fruit of that labor is just such a joy and a fulfilling. Uh, it's been a fulfilling thing. That's incredible. So when when was this uh, book released, and what has been some of the, the the biggest feedback and the response since then? Yeah, it's been really cool. I mean, I I am kind of a one-man team, so executing on a book launch is a big endeavor, and I've really learned more of what that entails by doing it all. And and so I haven't been able to execute to the level of a New York Times bestseller, mm. uh, but for, for being a one-man team, I am proud of what I've been able to yeah. do. And um, the feedback has been really encouraging. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's... It's cool to hear from people because I've heard actually from a wide range of people. The book is definitely written more to young adults in their 20s and 30s. But I've heard feedback from older people that have really appreciated it as well. And so um, I, I think I've just been encouraged to hear that um, it wasn't, uh, it's not a waste of time and it's not a waste mm. of words and that they do provide benefit um, to those mm. who read it, you know, because there's a, there's a manner of objectivity that we can't get on our own. So getting that feedback from others, much more objective sources is really fulfilling and encouraging. 
Yes, absolutely. So you, so you mentioned it's um, quarter life perspective. So a lot of folks, you know, are in their 20s and 30s. And um, fair to say, good, a good, uh, a, f- a fair shake of listeners are also in that same time frame as well. Um, what have, you know, what was it really the inspiration and drive behind this book? It's funny, I really kind of stumbled upon the, the end product. The original inspiration for the book came when I was on a plane to Bangkok, Thailand mm-hmm. uh, for an Asian tour qualifier when I was playing golf professionally. Mm-hmm. I had a recurring injury in my back, a muscle strain in my left rhomboid that was golf specific. And, and over the, about a year and a half, it repeated about five different times. So on my way, before I left for Asia, the week before I had, I had aggravated it again and I knew I wasn't going to be able to compete, but I had to try. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so on the plane, I was really thinking, man, what, what could I do to repay my investors and sponsors for the gift they've given me in this pursuit of professional golf? If I can't do it financially, how could I give them something? And that's where the book idea came from. It was like, man, what if I wrote a book about what this journey of professional golf has taught me Mm. um, about life and made me a better person in life. And so that was the original idea. Fast forward about three or four months and the injury had repeated again. And so I was just rehabbing and I felt like God gave me the time to really start. So I just dove in, took a month trying to figure out what it was. And then two to three months of puking out the initial draft. Mm. And then over the last year, year plus it has been refining and cooling and, and just, um, trying to get it to where it's uh, eligible and enjoyable by, for the reader. Um, and it really turned less about a book about um, how golf teaches you about life and much more about a book um, uh, about the process of pursuing mastery in any field, uh, the mental models or frameworks, the big picture concepts that um, if we can have them in mind, it'll help us travel down that road more efficiently and effectively. And, um, and again, from that quarter life perspective. And so I don't think there's a lot out there from the process. I really wanted to write about the process from the process. Mm. That's, that's, that's great. Um, myself, I, I resonate. I played, uh, wasn't quite at the, the professional level, but played semi-professional soccer, um, and had the opportunity to travel and, and play. And there's, there's absolutely, a, um, a process focus, um, and and as you mentioned, not all not necessarily looking at the the end goal. Um, and I think this is something that can sometimes uh, get in the way of the the day to day and the the kind of the in and out grind that you that you face and that you endure um, on a daily basis. So I want to hear what are some of these for for you and um, and what are some of these mental models or frameworks that you've seen throughout your personal process and that uh that are applicable for a lot of other folks in whatever whatever field or industry they're they're taking on right now totally yeah the the overarching kind of the structure that i i used for the book is this this broad fifty thousand foot view of what development looks like and the equation comes from this phrase simplicity on the far side of complexity which is referring to mastery, saying that it is the simplicity on the far side beyond complexity when you're able to refine all the complex aspects of any skill or work into its purest, most simplest form for the right situation at the right time. And so from that, you get this equation, simplicity, complexity, simplicity. 
And that's really the 50,000 foot view um, perspective of development. And then in each of those sections, each of those phases, I kind of provide three different um, mental models um, or at least concepts per each section to give us some things to be aware of. Um, and so really early on, right, that the earlier phase of simplicity, the, the fundamentals, I think one that everyone struggles with is commitment. We all struggle with commitment, which is the second chapter of the book. And and the reality is that commitment is necessary for any endeavor. We have to be committed for a long enough time to really see the fruit, the true fruit of any endeavor. And, and it's hard because commitment means you don't have a plan B. <laughs> and contingency mm-hmm. planning is something that we think is smart. You know, it's responsible. But... But at the end of the day, it limits our potential because it limits our um, our sold outness to whatever pursuit we're doing. Um, and so I had to learn that even in professional golf. The first year of my career, I was really kind of – I had a plan A, right, which was professional golf, and then a plan 8.5, which was like, well, you know, I could maybe do this as well. And, and that was mm-hmm. limiting my commitment to the journey and limiting um, my ability to lean in fully – um, and pour myself into the work wholeheartedly. So I think commitment is necessary. is a massive um, is a massive thing for us to embrace. Mm. Wow! And uh, golf in particular is definitely a very technical uh, sport, and the the focus on the simplicity, complexity, and simplicity um, is is ever more important. I know the just you know inches and centimeters of how you're positioning and. Uh, the you know where where you're striking the ball is is ever more important, um, and the, really refining this this technical skill and, and getting really into the weeds. Um, how how do you see kind of using gifts or using uh, you know especially for yourself as a man of faith too? How do you how do you think about the the gifts that you that God has given you um, and, and really? Uh, thinking about those and when to, to go and, and to commit all in because it, it can seem like it, it can seem quite daunting um, or you're not really sure of when to fully commit or if this is the proper if this is the right gift or if this is if this is how it should look and kind of walk through that process with me yeah that's a really good point Tyler and the, and the reality is we won't know until we try like the only way we truly know is by experiencing it we can learn as much as we want but until we've experienced it we don't really know it and you experience it by doing it so there is a manner that you do have to just experiment do it and see test it and see um, but but to your mm-hmm. point, I think it's really important to, and this is really on the on the far side simplicity. The thing that really opens the door to that far side, to that pursuit of mastery, is moving from universal principles, things that are uh, generally true to all people within any field or any um, stage of life, into individual principles that are more true to you and how you're uniquely wired and gifted, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that helps you bridge that gap is self-awareness mm. and self-awareness is crucial to really knowing who you are you know and, and the question that I like to work with uh, the people my clients and, and other teammates I have um, is really who have you been created equipped and called to be right especially in light of um, our relationship with God um, he has given us talents we know that in scripture right and so mm-hmm. some he gives one five and ten different talents as Jesus talks about and 
and he also rewards us based on what we do with those talents. Um, and so that shows us that there's different measures and different manners that God has given us. And so our job is to really recognize, see, and receive those, and then lean into and steward them well for his glory and his kingdom, right? And so mm-hmm. um, it's a great process. Like discovering what that is and getting clear about what that is is really important so that you can start being committed to those things and saying no to the lesser things so you can say yes to the most important things. Um, And that process of self-awareness is something that I I talk a a lot about as well. And and I think it's it's, um, a threefold process that basically you can break it up into past, present, and future retroactively, actively, and proactively. Or, Or the other way I describe it is discovering, understanding, and optimizing. So you're you're discovering, you're you're reflecting, you're looking back on what you did, why you did it. Um, you're look you're taking time to journal and understand the decisions you made and how you're getting to those and what the root causes are. Then you get to the understanding phase where you're starting to recognize these things much more in the moment and you're able to Um, break it down as it's happening you're starting to understand how it affects those daily decisions those daily actions and then the optimizing is the final stage where where you're looking almost in the future and saying okay here's a situation here's how I normally respond or how I would if I naturally respond and this is then I can pick and choose and implement what I actually want to happen and make sure that I follow through with that so for example right like if you're like this morning I was I was doing a, I do 5.30 a.m. workouts uh, quite a few times a week, and so last night, I knew that this morning the alarm was going to be not so friendly, right, Mm. 4.50 a.m., and so I'm priming myself, I'm saying, okay, Thane, I know this is good for me, I know I want to do this, but I know in the morning I'm not going to want to, I'm going to want to stay in bed, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so if I can prime myself by saying it's worth it, Last night, if I can tell myself it's worth it and here's why and this is my vision, this is why it aligns with who I am and who God's called me to be, then in the morning I can say no to those feelings to say yes to what I know to be true um, and in line with my vision and who God's called me to be. Mm, absolutely. And you're uh, in the place that you're in right now, you're doing a handful of things. Um, obviously, you just released this book. Um, but you're also an entrepreneur and, and, and a podcaster. How are you able to to think about your calling and your purpose through seemingly maybe different paths, uh, but ultimately playing onto kind of this overall bigger picture? How are you able to, and kind of how did that develop where, where you're, you found that these different aspects are are all, are all available and you can pursue these um, and they're also playing into this bigger picture? Yeah. So, and I think this, it always happens over time, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't get to any place just by chance. It happens by a lot of work over a long period of time. And so all of these aspects that are part of my life, they are stretching. And, um, and I think part of the mistakes that most entrepreneurs make is that we overcommit and over leverage ourselves, um, with just taking on risk, right? That's part of what being an entrepreneur is. But for for what I'm up to now, they are all connected to my ultimate vision and to my why. And and really, like the ultimate why is um, to bring God glory and honor for what He's done to me. Like mm-hmm. He is 
he has saved me um, for a reason. He's chosen me for his kingdom for a reason. And I'm going to do all I can to further his kingdom here on earth through the ways he's gifted me. And, and I really feel that he's gifted me in speaking and communicating and, and in writing. And so I, I felt the call to be a voice to young adults and Christians in America. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's being fulfilled in many different ways. Um, but uh, as I've gone about this year, it's been a year where my word of the year was build. And um, I've been building into many of these different uh, avenues that that ultimately all will be accomplishing that vision. Um, so I get to work as a collaborator, is like is what I call it, with individuals, which is just taking that professional athlete's mindset and the systems and the routines and habits and even the disciplines and some of the wellness aspects and applying those to individuals who are pursuing their own careers, whether it be freelancers or entrepreneurs, um, in a development coaching role mm-hmm. and um, that's so an individual voice in people's lives um, I, I started a side coffee business for um, events and weddings and that's a great place for me to just be in different spaces with different people than I would otherwise and that's kind of a group setting and then through my book and then pursuing more speaking avenues I'm getting to be a voice in a much larger capacity um, reaching more people and so I, I think it's been neat to see how God's brought this all together and, and honestly we're never gonna have the full picture uh, for five ten years down the road or even one year or one month down the road God just calls us to be faithful with where we're at now and in the day-to-day it's important mm-hmm. to have a vision and to have goals but we have to understand that we're not God we don't see the full picture but we do see what's in front of us today and mm-hmm. we can be faithful today and God will be faithful to bring the fruit in its season that, that's that's true so you're you're based in in California now and I know uh, you're you're not originally from there so can you share a bit more into uh, your early walk and and how and when faith became part of your life yeah, so I grew up in Kansas, Hutchinson, Kansas, the middle <laughs> of America, small town USA, um, and an awesome place to grow up. My my parents uh, loved Jesus and grew up, uh, helped start the church I grew up in, and uh, my dad's still an elder there, and uh, so just an amazing home to grow up in, amazing church to grow up in, and just a, blessed with a lot of truth, um, very much a theologically rich tr- uh, church, so... Um, God really saved me at a young age, around 11, and um, I remember that transformation, and just, it was such an, uh, it was an experience I even felt, you know, you, you, you see, you feel God change your heart, it's just amazing, um, even at a young age, but as with a lot of us, right, even as Christ followers, there, there will be seasons, there can be seasons of time where um, you're not following Him, you're actually following the world, and you're almost turning your back. And I definitely went through that throughout. Uh, There's about a seven-year period in starting in high school and leading into college where I took the liberty and thought uh, I, I was able to um, love God and pursue what I wanted at the same time. And that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And I knew better, but my heart was rebellious still. and um, And so... And it progressed over time, right? It never happens in one decision, mm. but it happens um, cumulatively over time. And and like a loving father, like a faithful father that that is our shepherd, God was continually um, trying to wake me up 
slapping me and, and reminding me. Mm-hmm. And, and there's many different instances throughout those years that were traumatic or, or kind of life-threatening in some ways. Um, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't listen. Uh, so finally, my junior year in college, God really used a, a series of events where a lot of um, factors combined, and and ultimately, it was our. I was a captain on the golf team at the college I was at, and we did things we shouldn't have done over spring break, and it all came out. And then God basically swept me out from under the rug and said, "All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose. Finally." <laughs> Me or your your the path that you're going on, and um, and I'm so thankful that he did that, you know, and and bringing me back to him, and since that moment, man, it's been such a blessing to to have a heart that's purely, not perfectly, but purely for him. Um, after many years of compromise, it's just the sweetest thing. Um, and so the last, yeah, it's just been so empowering and fulfilling to grow in my love and knowledge for him. Mm. And to really, the last couple of years has been just growing bounds and faith um, and intimacy with God, which has been mm. such a cool season. Mm. So, so for you growing up in a family um, of, of Christian faith, and um, was that wasn't something that was uh, th- that was true for my situation, and I, I think you know it's, it, it definitely differs for for a lot of listeners and for folks who. Um, some have have been in uh, you know pretty traditional or pretty um, very uh, grew up in Christian families and some have not. Um, what was the biggest challenges that you faced um, between maybe tensions or pulls within the church um, and kind of was there any was there tension between you pursuing uh, a path of being an entrepreneur uh, of getting into professional golf? Uh, golf how was there a tension and how were you able to see that this um as you mentioned earlier is giving to is giving glory to god in the in 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 and through it all yeah i think there's always um going to be some manner of struggle or battle for Mm -hmm. people who grew up in the church right we i think everyone's experience is unique and that Mm -hmm. um they're all they're going to have unique challenges so if you don't grow up with a christian home or christian family or in a church Mm. there'll be unique struggles that you face but for those who do just like me um there will be unique struggles that we face too i think i think one thing is um just uh familiarity right breeds um complacency and so uh, it's very easy if you grow up in the church to be complacent, to not have a thriving relationship, to just have it be mm. a cultural part of your life that shaped you, but not really an important part of your life. Um, I think that's always a danger. And mm. really, it is dangerous to grow up in the church if you're not a believer, because you're sitting and subjecting yourself to truth repetitively, and we are held accountable for what we've been given. So it's dangerous for people who aren't believers to be sitting under the teaching of God's word. Um, now, as parents, right, we need we need to raise our kids in the way. So it, it, there's a little bit of difference there between children and, and adults. Um, but that, nonetheless, I think there are unique challenges in that. So we really have to fight for a personal and um, an intimate relationship with God, especially if we've grown up in the church because of how familiar everything is. But on the flip side, you're given a lot of truth. If you've grown up your whole life in the church, as I have, and in places that preach and teach a lot of truth, 
God has really given me a lot of understanding and knowledge about God's word that that I'm required to steward. And so for me, I, I really feel called to stewarding that well and serving others. And, and you know, I, I lead a young adults group out here now at the Church of Matt, so a group of 20s and 30s. And, and it's been just awesome to see how God has equipped me well for that role. And now I get to help others grow in their love and knowledge of God through his word. And, and there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Yes. So you're, um, you mentioned your intimacy with God has really uh, increased and has been a focus point in your in your in your walk how have how or how has God revealed that to you and how have you increased in knowledge um, maybe in your practices and you know on this uh, on this path that you've been walking what has been really important you mentioned um, you know leading and serving uh, with a young adult group has there been anything else that's been really impactful for you Man, so much. Yes. Um, so the last couple years, God, yeah, God really convicted me and challenged me in my heart about where my faith truly was, where it truly lay. And, and what I really learned through that time was that my faith for so much of my life had rested in my knowledge of God and not in God himself. And there's a big difference there because faith in my knowledge of God is ultimately faith in myself versus faith in God. And so I think that's a danger of, of a lot of truth. And, you know, I, I went to a school that uh, was a Christian college, uh, the master's university and every student minors in Bible. So I also kind of have a, a minor in, in a Bible degree um, and sat under just amazing theologians, you know, and teaching. But, mm. but the danger of knowledge is that you start um, having a lot of faith in yourself <laughs> ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so God was like, man, like that, he really sh exposed that that's not ultimately faith in, it doesn't necessarily mean that's faith in God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the last, and I think too, I, I, I would characterize some of the places I've grown up is, is hyper truth just as much as there's hyper grace. <laughs> and so you have the charismatic side and you have um, the conservative theological side, and they're kind of polar opposites, right? But but we need each other. We need the balancing. We need the, each side, and we need to balance in the middle. And so this last year or two has been really God balancing me out more by embracing the Holy Spirit much mm -hmm. more, embracing the experience of God, and really seeking that intimacy, like you said, by simply being with God, spending quiet time, going on prayer walks, um, listening, just sitting and listening on my bed and, and seeing what God communicates to my heart. Um, and really, you know, embracing much more of the spiritual side of life. Um, that's just as much as important as the, the intellectual side. Um, and it's been really, it, it's been a really sweet season, mm. uh, for me. Yes, that's a, that's a great point. And there's this, um, there's a balance and you mentioned being in the, the, the charismatic, uh, but then also, uh, being more in, you know, in, in biblical truth and, and looking more, uh, into, into tradition and how that shapes who you are in your character. And, um, this is, you know, there's, there's folks that are listening who are going to be from a variety of different, different theological backgrounds and, and experiences, um, but being able to to tap into these different areas is ultimately crucial for your for your faith walk. So you can, and I think as you mentioned, when you get into the spirit, and that's been a similar season for me. 
you're able to God reveals himself in a new way um, than he than he hasn't previously or and it's again through that I believe through that relationship and the intimacy and again having having that trust in him and having having trust in the plans that he has um, and seeing how how you play into that picture and, and the responsibility and just the role that you have um, I think that that dynamic uh, changes but again having spirit and also once I think through that spirit, you can, you're able to understand a bit more and that the knowledge becomes, uh, it, it takes on a different realm than it, than it yeah. previously does. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's again, it's both and it's not either or yep. right. And, 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 and look like, so just as important as both sides are, I mean, there's, there's things that are non-negotiables for a reason, right? So one of those is God's word, right? God's word is his direct specific revelation. If we're not reading that, we're foolish, we're naive, and we're ignorant because the God we're in spiritual warfare every day, right? It's a spiritual battle that we're in, a cosmic battle um, between light and darkness that we can't always see, we don't usually see. Um, and God's given us a list of his armor, Ephesians 6, right? The armor of God. Well, out of all of those armors, there's only one offensive weapon he's given us. That is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if we're not daily in God's word, we're going to be on the defense. And when you're on the defense, you're naturally sliding backwards. And so how can we be on the offense? How can we be winning the spiritual battle? Mm -hmm. By filling ourselves with God's word. And that's what the spirit uses to defeat the flaming arrows of the devil, ultimately, um, that we all face. Um, so just as much as we need God's word, we do need God's spirit in the experience. And, and they're both, you know, important. And I think the other aspect I just mentioned is that I, the last three years I've been committed to, well, with golf, right, I had to commit mm -hmm. to the the habits and routines that would, would lead to my best performance on the course. Because if if I was going to be successful, I had to take 100% ownership of that pursuit. Um, and with that, right, I wanted to commit to the habits that would ultimately produce the most flourishing in my Christian life and my walk with the Lord. And so I committed to starting and ending my day in God's Word over the last three years. And so I'll read the New Testament or whatever I'm studying in the morning, and I'll read the Old Testament at night. It's more narrative, so mm. I go that route. And, and honestly, I can tell you, Tyler, and everyone listening, that over the last three years of committing to that habit, God's word has changed me, like literally changed my heart, my desires, and my soul. And I, I, it just is a personal experience that I cannot deny about the living and active nature of God's supernatural word. It will change you if you just daily commit to it. Um, and it's, it's as simple as that. Simple doesn't mean easy, but it is really simple. I mean, mm. <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, no, com I completely agree. I've found I've found a lot of value in that myself, and I know a lot of folks um, that are daily in the Word and how uh, monumental that has been for their walk. Um, and as you indicated, being on the offense rather than being on the defense, um, there it's just it, it's you can't really explain it until you're until you're experiencing it. And that's that's how I've been. That's how it works for me. Um, so it's no, it's a good word. Um, yeah, and the last thing I'd say is I think that for people who are Christ followers, for people who are believers, we 
our vessel like a cup, right? And the cup can be filled with water to the brim. Well, our cup of water can be filled with two ingredients, and that's it. It can be either filled with the flesh or it can be filled with the spirit. We have two options as believers. And and how about you and everyone listening, but I want to fill myself so full of the spirit and the things of the spirit that there's no room for the flesh. And I know that when I do that, there really isn't room for the flesh. Like it isn't even operating because I am so full of God's spirit and the things of God that I don't have any room for that. And those are the best times, right? And so that's my goal always. Like how can I fill myself so there's no room for this flesh to show up? Hmm. That's that's it. Um, I want to shift directions a little bit uh, and go over to, uh, to to the podcast that you've been doing for um, just about two years now, the Up and Comers. Um, so shifting directions, just want to know what uh, what the mission of this show is and what it's all about. Yeah, it's been a it's been a really fun endeavor. Uh, my co-host and I, Adam, we went to college together, and and we really just wanted to. Um, make a show about the process, uh, from the process and just encouraging other, uh, up and comers. It's called the up and comers show. And it's all about learning how to live a good life. Um, and our mantra is having intention in the tension because life isn't inevitably filled with tensions that we have to marry between, right? Just mm-hmm. like we've been mm-hmm. talking about, the, the tension between um, grace and truth mm-hmm. or um, um, the tension between God's sovereignty or man's responsibility. Like those mm-hmm. are things that we just have to live in the middle of. And um, and we really believe that God has just infused this world with so much gray, which just requires us to live by faith, right? Mm-hmm. We can't be on the black or on the white. We have to be in the gray in a lot of areas so that we can walk by faith, trusting in him. And so we just really break down and we just talk about life. We talk about the things we're learning. We talk about um, different topics. And then we also do interviews and, and peer-to-peer conversations. And, and honestly, I've just I've learned and grown so much just by getting to, to dialogue with people uh, that I wouldn't have otherwise mm. and to get to interview and, and to just discuss ideas over microphones, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you can speak, uh, you can you can uh, relate to this. It just, man, it just grows you so much as a, as a man, as a person, and it, it's such a fun thing to be able to do. Mm. I agree. Over over the past, um, you know, you mentioned you just put up number seventy. You know, you're in, in your in your seventies now. Get going into your eighties uh, for episodes. What have what has been some of the biggest learnings and takeaways that you've been able to synthesize uh, from this experience? That's a good question. I haven't thought too deeply about that as of late, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> I think I think the thing that um, it, in synopsis, I would say is that, uh, well, inter- in- interviewing as a skill is a dance. The best interviews are always, um, kind of, um, it, it's having structure, but not being confined to that structure, mm-hmm. um, and being able to feel out the moment, right? Like that's a fun mm-hmm. dance, but I think, yeah, I think like the general themes of life come out throughout the whole episodes. I mean, some of the ones that come into mind are uh, this interview we had with Jeremy Davis where he talked about living in the possibility. I think that's a really cool concept, um, living in the possibility versus, um, 
Yeah, I think I think when we can live in the possibility of what can come, we can really lean into our full potential. Uh, I had a really great episode with my grandpa, actually. He's a very wise man in his 80s and um, has been blessed with a, cr- a very diverse and successful life. Um, so getting kind of a different, uh, a wide range of disparity in age has been super awesome just to experience what each life stage entails. Um, and I think really overall, it's really helped me, um, in humility, to be honest, um, to try and grow in Mm. my acceptance and understanding of my own ignorance (laughs) Mm. that, you know, the further we go, there's a great saying, I think the Tao Te Chang said that the further one goes, the less one knows. And we really do, um, understand greater the extent of our ignorance, the more that we actually know. Um, and so I think that's been really helpful mm. to, to go through that process as well. Yeah. And, and as we go through this process, um, and you know, the more, the more that we know, there's a lot more that opens up of how much we don't know. Um, but that also opens up more possibility at the same time mm-hmm. too. Right. So, um, and I, I like how you, you, you brought on your, your, your grandfather and I think having those perspectives and, and, operating outside of the lane that you're that you're that you've traditionally been in or maybe the conversations that you the conversations that you typically lean toward um stepping outside uh gives you additional perspective when you step back inside and maybe bringing something um this humility that you that you picked up from maybe one episode um and bringing that and and carrying that with you over into into your walk um, and, and for really for who you're going to become. So I, I, I like, I, I, I resonate. I think that's been a similar experience for me for doing this podcast as well. Um, it's, it's really opened up the, the wealth of information and the wealth of experience. Mm, yeah, mm. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's really perspectives, right? We're, we're, we're so limited in our own. We're so subjective in our own perspective mm-hmm. and, um, we need other perspectives to help us see more clearly our perspective and the blind spots that we have within that perspective. Mm-hmm. So you're totally right in that. What, what has been, um, if you had a key takeaway from yours beyond what you just said, what would it be, uh, from your podcast? Yeah, so uh, I I was asked that question a few days ago actually myself, and that's why I reposed it. Um, I like asking the questions, but I don't like being asked the questions because uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think for me, um, beyond perspective, um, I think it's it's truly been um, it's just been a sign of faith um, of being able to continuously do podcasts and and, and walk and walk in this life, um, just shows really God's hand and God's present through it all. Um, and I think that's been the most, that's been the most, most joyous and most, and most, I don't know if gratifying is the right word, but I've just been, I've been really grateful, um, to have this vigor and intensity in doing really what I believe I'm, you know, part, part of what I'm called to do. So I think for me is, um, having that validation and, and kind of seeing the and having others witness uh, the the things that you do and the the help that you're providing to others and ultimately for God's kingdom has been um, has been a, a key takeaway for me and, and, and allows me to keep doing it. Mm, I love it. Mm. 
Um, but I, but I, so I, I wanted to to think about. So I know you're um, you're you're in you're in California right now, um, and I know it's uh, it's we, we were discussing before this podcast. It's uh, it's an image heavy um, place to be. It's a lot of physical uh, appearance um, is is put forth. So how how have you been able to to balance the the public's uh, impression and public's image um, and how you carry yourself out? Uh, sorry, the public's image and how you think about how you know really where you're rooted and where you're centered and just kind of navigating that gray area of culture and of image. Yeah, no, you're you're right, mm. and I think for regarding first the location of where we live, you know, it's living in both Kansas and California um, throughout the last seven years. I went back and forth a bit, and this mm. is the first full year I've been out here. But in that, I just really was I, that experience really showed me the the power of culture and also the beauty in every place that you live. Any place you live has pros and cons to it. Um, and as the saying goes, right, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Well, the better follow-up is that the grass is greener on the side of the fence that you're watering. And so often mm. we're watering somewhere else that we want to be when really we need to be fully where God has us now because he has us there for a reason and there's beauty in that place. So um, so I want to just challenge mm. people with that first because it's a challenge yeah. to me too, you know. And um, But you're right. I think um, the image, uh, there's many aspects of California that are interesting, especially in a city center like LA. The one thing that I, I love beyond all else is the diversity. You get to brush up against people from literally every part and walk of life. And it's just such a refining and helpful thing. But, um, the image is, yeah, it, it's pervasive. Right. And, um, and I think about it at the end of the day, I think about it similar to David King David. So, um, at the end of the day, what does God care about, right? And um, God cares about our heart. He calls David a man after God's own heart. Um, and I think that's the only person in the Bible he calls that, right? And so what does that mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, if we look at David's life, he's got incredible faithfulness um, throughout it, right? But he also has a lot of sin there and a lot of screw-ups, right? I mean, mm-hmm. chiefly, one that we would all say is one of the worst sins of all time, right? You get a, you see a chick, you get her pregnant, you kill mm-hmm. her husband, and then you go marry her and don't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that is wretched. You can't even yeah. imagine mm-hmm. that, right? And this is a man after God's own heart. What the heck? Um, but you see David's heart and his response, right? Um, he's convicted by Nathan and repents, and then God says your son's going to die. And and when his son's born, David seeks him. He fasts and prays the Lord because he knows God is merciful and he can change his mind. Um, For a week, he does that. And at the end of the week, his son dies. And right when he finds out, he goes up, he washes, he feasts, and he worships the Lord. You cannot respond that way immediately unless your heart is 100% for God. Um, And so, Again, we see from David that God cares way less about the actions and way more about the heart because out of the heart flow the true actions that are really for God. And so even in a place like L.A., um, 
regardless of the actions, if the heart isn't for God, then they don't matter anyways. Um, so for me, it's mm-hmm. always a personal evaluation of, is my heart for God in this, and where is it not? Um, because where it isn't is where I need to work on and it can look like different things and it probably will look like different things for different people. And, and honestly, that's the power of culture. I cannot, I, I cannot say that I would be the person I am today if I haven't lived in California for the last eight years. That's mm. the culture's effect on me. That's not to say it's good or bad, right or wrong. It's different than people living in Kansas and that's okay. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to be concerned and what God's concerned about is the heart yeah, focusing on the cause rather than, rather than the effect, in, in other words. Yep. Um, and that goes back to the self-awareness that you that you were speaking on in, in how you carry out your, you know, your, your path to mastery. Um, uh, just to wrap up, uh, last few points and questions. Um, I want to know, uh, I guess, you know, word of encouragement, word of advice that you would have for, for folks who are listening. Um, you know, or in, and on that same note, anything that we haven't mentioned that you'd like to, to, to put either bring back or, or, or put front and center. Totally. Well, um, I'll start by saying, uh, I would love to hear from you guys. If you've been encouraged by today, I always love, um, hearing what people think. So definitely mm-hmm. send me a shout out. You can find out, um, all that I do on thanemarcus.com. And, um, and if you're interested in working together and in, in the collaboration work I do, I'd, I'd like to give people a discount for people who get to know me through a podcast. So reach mm-hmm. out. We can talk about that. But um, to end on that encouragement and a, and a reminder and a challenge, mm-hmm. I think um, there's a few things I'd say just as kind of uh, broad strokes from even what I share in the book. And that is that, like I said, commitment is necessary. We have to be committed. Um and then learning is the journey, right? Learning is a journey that we're all on in life. And in, in everything, in every season, in every situation, we can learn something. And we should learn something. And our goal should be lifelong learners because it really is a key ingredient. If we can learn how to learn well, there's nothing that we can't mm-hmm. learn in life. Um, so I want to be, I want to challenge all of us and myself to become good at learning and, mm-hmm. and learning is best done um, be, when it's hard, right? The path of most resistance equals the path of most learning. It's always going to take a lot of work and it's going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, it's just that failure is likely <laughs> and mm-hmm. failure is likely because if you're really striving to do something challenging, if you're really striving to walk by faith, if you're really leaning into who you've been called and created to be, um, failure is going to be a part of that process because we learn the most from the, the, the failures and not the successes. And you look at a guy like Peter, I was actually reading this morning in, in Matthew, and you know Jesus goes and says, Peter, great is your faith for saying that I am the, the Messiah and you are, this, you are a rock, the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Um, and right after he kind of charges them to that, you see Peter... Um, start taking that kind of too much on himself and less from God. And he, Jesus says, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be killed. Like literally the same chapter, he talks about him being killed. And mm. Peter goes, Lord, no way. You know, that's not going to happen. We're not going to let that happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Because what Peter just did is he started taking that charge from Jesus and started glorifying himself with that. Right. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a good, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this, you know? Um, and, mm. and that shows like, man, we've got to understand that it, 
it comes from God. And a high calling means that he's going to be refining us through a lot of challenges and trials and hardships so that we are faithful when he puts us on that platform. And so a high calling means a lot of struggle and a lot of opposition and a lot of failure. Um, and so we should embrace it as our tutor. Um, and then lastly, like the big core tenets of the book are just simply two things. One is to take ownership to take full ownership of your life, the decisions you make and the actions you take. And then two, to never settle. Never settle for less than you're capable of because that's what God's called us to. To not settle for the easy path, not settle for the the lesser road, not default to our, our old habits, but to press on and to lean into the fullness of who he's created us to be. And if we can do that individually, um, and societally and globally, it'll be amazing to see what God uses us to do. Mm-hmm. Some powerful, powerful words uh, of encouragement and advice um, of, of being being present, but also exploring the, the possibility of, of what you can be and, and who you can become um, and, and the author and, and creator of it all as well um, mm-hmm. and, and his hand in it. Um, so thank you. Thanks so much for for sharing a sharing some words and hearing uh, a bit more about your book. Um, excited uh, to pick up a copy myself and uh, give it a read, and, and hope that listeners and folks who have tuned in uh, enjoyed this conversation and, and also uh, can can explore explore a bit more about the work that you're doing and um, and how God is working in your life. Thanks so much, Tyler. It's been a, it's been a joy to to be mm-hmm. here with you today and and to keep striving with you for the kingdom, mm-hmm. brother.